welcome to the Navit Gaming Podcast, where it is our mission to explore the business and future of video games. We bring together the industry's brightest builders, investors, and thinkers to keep a pulse on current events, dissect emerging trends and games, share lessons learned, and have a great time. This podcast is also part of Novik's growing ecosystem, which ranges from free and premium research to consulting and advisory services. For more information, visit www.novik.co. Now, let's jump into the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Novik Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Takei, and this is the interview and insight segment. Triple bottom line businesses, or businesses that are geared towards health, mental, or physical, are an important part of today's modern business era. The onset of businesses like Tom's, REI, and Ben & Jerry's that have had this tertiary shareholder corporate social responsibility, or CSR as as the short acronym, have been the vanguards of popularizing and exhorting companies to have another angle besides a fiduciary duty to their stakeholders. The audience is probably familiar with business models like Tom's and Warby Parker. For every X pair of shoes, the company donates... Um, eye care or other shoes to those in need, or for every percent of profits or sales of the business, they go directly to a charity partner. In the world of video games, big studios like Blizzard and Activision have sold in-game items for charity, take the breast cancer skin um, that we did for Mercy and Overwatch, or launch specific programs like the Call of Duty Endowment, which provides grants to charities that help military veterans find high-quality jobs. Video games have also attempted to play a role in changing people's behavior and habits, encouraging players to have a bit of a more salubrious lifestyle, whether that's through Pokemon Go or getting folks to go outside, or a direct fitness game like Ring Fit, Wii Fit, Lane Break, etc., that wrap a game with a reward-like system around it for physical activity. And so today we're going to talk about two such games, Games for Good, as we've been calling them, and two awesome founders are joining us. First, we're welcoming Jenny Zhu, my friend and rock star founder of Talufa Games, who just released their game Run Legends, a mobile co-op fitness RPG for Android and iOS. Welcome to the pod, Jenny. Thanks, Alex. I'm excited to be here. Yay. <laughs> and now we're welcoming Laura Carter, the founder of Trees Please Games, fresh off an announcement of $8 million in funding with participation from March Gaming and Lakestar. Welcome to the pod, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be talking to you both today. Sweet. I'm really happy and excited to have this discussion. Uh, in your Venture Beat article, Laura, you were quoted saying, by changing hearts and minds, you can affect consumer behavior and consumer perception. And that's how what changes how people spend money. Um, the motto of Stanford GSP's program is change minds, change organizations, and change the world. And so I personally have tremendous um, resonance with your ambitions. And I graduate in like a week and a half. So this stuff is like really on my mind. Um and Jenny, in your lane, we've talked a ton, but as an X Division One athlete, cannot stress how it is important it is for health and happiness um, to be actually physically active. And maybe we'll get into this in the episode, but gamifying fitness seems to be a cool, motivating force. So with that said, I gave you guys a brief introduction, but I'd like you guys to share with the audience your backgrounds and how you came to found your studios, your motivations for founding your respective studios, and maybe a little bit about your studios themselves, how big they are, and how long they've been around. Jenny, how about you kick us off? Yeah, happy to kick it off. So I'm Jenny, CEO, founder of Talofa, and I've actually been building games as well as running since I was 12 years old. So I ended up making 10 mobile games. I got 10 million downloads and they were like top charts, ended up making enough money to also cover my tuition when I went to MIT. And I studied computer science there, but also got recruited to their cross-country track and field team. So I was running 70 miles a week, did varsity, ran nationals, and ended up finally combining the loves of my lives, fitness and gaming, when I participated in the largest Niantic developer contest that they've ever hosted. And we ended up winning that contest, getting $300,000 in cash prize, kind of right out of school. And that's when we really started up our studio and worked with Niantic for about a year and a half. They taught us really good practices on how do you actually build games that get people to go outside, like real world game platforms and late 2021s when we went independent and yeah, started building up our team. It's currently seven full-time. We've got folks from like Riot Games who worked on League of Legends to EA, that game company, and even Black Box VR. So really some of the best people within gaming and fitness. And I personally have also taught over 900 fitness classes and <laughs> am a certified group fitness instructor. And I, it's called like Abs of Jenny, but I do it every day since COVID started. 
But I just really love this intersection and think that there's a lot that can be done because it's something that I've kind of spent my whole life thinking about. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love the strong founder market fit with fitness classes on the side, fitness game. I think it's uh, really cool and shows like a tremendous amount of like commitment and passion and probably a lot of like um, a lot of scheduling to balance. Um, you know, I know that practice and classes and stuff are really get in the way of they're just onerous. You got to you got to wake up and you got to go do it and you got to commit. Um, uh, and so, Laura, how about you? Wow. Well, that's a really tough act to follow. I'm so impressed that you've coded your own games and even run that many classes. You certainly don't look old enough to have done all of that. So massive uh, <laughs> you, Jenny. But um, yeah, I guess so my background is I've been in games for around like 15 years or so, maybe a little bit over that now. Uh, my background is in production and I've worked in mainly in mobile and free to play. Um, I've had you know the privilege of being in some fantastic teams at like um, Natural Motion, where I was a product lead and then general manager of an external um, development division for CSR2 and have had various production roles before that. And um, I guess I kind of have had like a different sort of volunteering type sort of charitable career that is kind of running parallel with my games career. So ever since I was like pretty young, I'd say like about four or five, I was just sort of innately passionate about saving the world and like would be that annoying kid that would go knocking on my neighbor's doors, like selling off like really rubbish drawings and sorts of things <laughs> that I thought had value, but I'd be like, yo, buy this thing. And then I would send off this like few quid to um, Greenpeace or different sort of animal related and environmental charities. And then into my teens and twenties, just did whatever I could really in terms of volunteering, whether that be retail stores or manning phone lines for charity, social media, fundraising, protesting, like all sorts of stuff. And then um, it kind of just occurred to me that like I was really just sort of scratching the surface and like actually this stuff was all kind of meaningful, but it wasn't going to really change the world. And working on a massive game uh, like CSR2 that I did previously and seeing like how many people were playing that game and engaging with it, I felt this huge desire and, and need really to kind of like with you, Jenny, like merge my two worlds together, my two big passions in terms of gaming and also kind of making a positive impact in the world and it felt like particularly with the explosion of free-to-play gaming and mobile and how that had really shifted the audience from you know more of a core like gaming market kind of 10-15 years ago when I first started working in games to being such a more um, mass market consumer um, I was really inspired by the fact that my mum was like playing more games than me and she'd never been a gamer before but she was like you know soaking up so many hours playing you know sort of candy crushes and words with friends with the world and so that really inspired me to think, you know, there's a there's an opportunity to bring these two worlds together and really use free to play gaming as a good news story. Obviously, like games and particularly free to play can, you know, sometimes um, <clears throat> get a bit of a negativity and and feel a bit like um, like a waste of time activity. Like sometimes there's kind of a bit of guilt about spending too much time playing games and that you should be doing something a bit more productive with your time. And so. I really wanted to use gaming to, 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 to solve like important world issues and was really inspired by uh, like the movie industry, like films like Wally and the Lorax that kind of really, um, you know, really effectively create great, compelling, entertaining mass market products that can also have like a really clear message and meaning mm. um, and make a difference in sort of inspiring and provoking change in people. And so, yeah, I set about building a company that would do just that. Um, so I can talk a little bit more later, perhaps if we get into the details of you know how we go about making a difference through our games. But that was the kind of nutshell and the really the sort of inspiration for it. Um, we've been going about two and a half years ish now, um, and we're fourteen people, and um, yeah, kind of launching and, and sort of growing our first game. So yeah, here we are. That's awesome. Well, I, I love this. We have two awesome female founders with incredibly high founder market fit. Um, you know, Jenny, you're in the beginning of your journey. You know, Laura, you're a little bit farther along. But it's actually really cool to see, like, the origination for, like, why these games. Um, is, and it's so entrenched in sort of, like, what you found valuable, like, in your lives growing up, which is just really, really mm -hmm. impressive. Um, a bit tangential, but, um, Laura, I'm wondering, where do you think the um, desire to, you, you mentioned you were, going door to door, selling random things and donating that money to Greenpeace. Where do you think that actually sort of comes from uh, as a, like, 
in, in terms of like why you were doing it specifically? You know what, I, I've tried to sort of recall and remember like if there was any motivation like that mm. came externally, but I, I honestly don't know. I think for me it was just quite innate because certainly my parents and my family weren't like that. In fact, there was almost a little bit of resistance from my family where, for example, at age like three or four, I was like, I'm not eating animals anymore. And they'd always be like, what? Like, <laughs> and like now, obviously, you know, we know that there's a link between um, animal agriculture and climate change and that sort of stuff. So I think there's a lot more support. But I think growing up, um, I think there was some resistance, actually. Um, now I think my, my parents are super proud and my mum calls me her little eco warrior, which is kind of cute. But um, I don't know. I just I just always um, cared about this stuff. Um, and I think, you know, getting into my sort of teens and 20s just felt this this real need and desire mm. and actual kind of guilt to some extent. I felt like I really need to to make this my life's work. And it sounds super cheesy, but I kind of wanted to work backwards. And I said, right, you know, when I'm an old lady on my porch looking back over my life or talking to my grandkids, like, what do I want to have achieved? And you hear all this stuff, like people say, you regret the things you haven't done rather than the things you have done. You have done. And I thought, well, what am I going to regret not doing? And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to regret not having really felt like I made a big difference and sort of left this planet in a better place than I, than I kind of found it. So, um, yeah, I just kind of set about literally like pen and paper, like brainstorming, like how can I solve these things and bring them together? Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing. It was just out of just simple curiosity um, to sort of see whether or not you're just born a good person or something specifically had really happened to make that um, a driving force for you in your life. Um, and so you kind of mentioned, you know, maybe we'll get to, into the details of how these games work or what you guys are building and we're going to do exactly that, right? I kind of want to talk about how, what is the game design and what is your guys' business models for each of these each of these games? And also kind of what are the causes and outcomes you actually expect from your players. Um, and so Jenny, I think maybe we're going to start with you. Um, could you tell us a little bit about Run Legends, what makes a good running game, and the business model that is associated with that game? Um, but obviously first, more talk about the game design, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's super inspirational to hear from you too, Laura. And yeah, I've... I've seen all the I've seen the game that you have launched, and I was like, "Wow, it looks so cool, so so good." So, I for Run Legends, it's a mobile cooperative RPG game where you're walking and running to defeat enemies. So you're playing together with friends. You're going and moving outside in real time with other people. So that element of like mobile synchronous multiplayer plus exercise is something that I don't really think I've ever seen. So it's really the first mobile game that's trying to do this. And a lot of the gamification of exercise comes down to like, how do you just make someone forget that they're working out? So mm. we have immersive audio that plays and you're hearing things like, oh, the enemy's at low health, like go now. Like these things that make you feel like when I'm exerting effort, I'm contributing to battle. Like I'm playing the game, I'm not just working out. So that's a lot of the the high level of game design is just around like, how do you make the most engaging experience possible that gets people to be healthy and also have fun at the same time. So that's run legends on a very high level. And there's like attackers, defenders, healers you can play as cause it is a co-op game. So you can take on kind of different roles and there are very fun clutch moments that we'll often see on Twitch where like somebody will just in time as the enemy's about to unleash their critical attack, they put up the shield and you're like at 1% health. So like those cool moments of like uh, what you might find in a normal game, we've replicated, but in a fitness game. So that's something we're really proud of. And our business model right now is a free to play model. So everyone starts for free, like with fitness, especially, I think it's hard enough to get started. So that's why I made it just completely free to start. And we have like very basic micro like mini purchases that you can make microtransactions. We have coins that you can buy in the store and eventually we'll add more. We just launched like not too long ago. So we're really trying to focus on retention engagement right now. And I think in the future we'll have more like subs subscription type things or more like battle pass type monetization. But for now it's probably the most accessible it'll ever be. <laughs> so the best time to play and give us feedback. Awesome. And so you mentioned this co-op, and so you're ostensibly just picking up two of my friends that we run with. Um, and so I'm wondering if you guys did any kind of examination on the personas of the kind of 
players that you're trying to attract to your game, who is like your ideal target gaming customer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one other thing that we do that's unique is we target Gen Z pretty uniquely, like or Gen Z to early millennials. So it's like 18 to 34 is our target demo. And these are people who have grown up with games, essentially. So they're way more of like the gamer than they are necessarily like a fitness expert. So it's oftentimes like people who just want to get healthy for the first time. And we see people who I'd say are less like super competitive and more so collaborative, which is why we moved to a more co-op model. It also leads to way more healthy social behavior. Like you don't want to be like always trying to go as fast as possible in a match, for example, because then you're just going to get injured. So that is why we built it in that direction, just seeing people like it. And we do think that people are still a little competitive because we added leaderboards into our game and suddenly like engagement 10 x So there's still a merit to having like a light competitive player, (laughs) even if most of it is cooperative. So it's more like teams being competitive than individuals being competitive. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting that you say that because I think that's actually like one of the questions inside the personas was for many of the fitness games that currently exist on the market and even not fitness games, but even just like fitness apps like Astrava competition is really the sole motivating like um like hero's journey, right? In terms of when we think about those players. And so I'm wondering how you're serving people who in athletics like to be competitive versus how you're serving those who want to be collaborative and obviously like reducing that barrier down um, to go running together, right? Because some people need groups of people to go running and some people are very motivated to do that because they want to beat other people. Um, And so now it sounds like you got two structures, two, two game modes. Is that a good way to put it or... Yeah, or more so the the game mode inherent. The default game mode is always collaborative, but then mm. we have meta game that's competitive. So I see has, it works better that way. But we also have like little competitive things, like in the middle of a game with your friends, you might encounter this like little mini game where whoever like runs the most within like a one minute section will earn the most coins and you can take it home, brag about it. So there are little like competitive moments sprinkled throughout that can Mm -hmm. scratch that itch for people. Mm -hmm. And where are you guys finding the majority of your, um, doing the majority of your marketing, right? Um, Obviously with Mm -hmm. IDFA, it's hard to target these specific people. So what strategies have you found since you just recently launched that are working and what isn't? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we built our community first, like while we were building the game. So that's been honestly where we found a lot of our initial users. Like we had like 50,000 players coming in in the last two weeks, just pretty much all organically with some like paid spend. But we had like Twitter, Discord, TikTok, Instagram really be our main funnels. And Twitter's our biggest presence right now, like 52,000 people following us on there. And yeah, the rest, like and we put some test spend into Google ads and found like CPIs of like a few cents. So it's been really cool. To see that and I'd say just having like app store coverage has been crucial for us too. Like mm-hmm. Apple Jess featured us as like one of the best new games and it's WWDC week. So we've gotten a lot of exposure from that. And like Google Play as well has like put us into a lot of featured collections. So I'd say just the organic store page presence has been really helpful for us too. Mm, that's awesome and interesting. Um and I'm actually gonna go back to your community because I've been you know, privy to your story for for a bit, and I'm going to pop the the Web three question. Um, you built started building your community because I think originally there was potentially an angle of Web three to your guys's game, um, and we know that you know we saw the rise and fall of Step into some degree. And wondering how your team is thinking about like play to earn to be fit or play to be fit um, or whatever acronym wrapper I can put around this to kind of make it a a a thing. Um, is there plans to be to have any kind of Web3 angle to your mod station? Um, and if so, when? And if not, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, really good question. And I just think that the idea of like moving to earn, or I guess move to earn games, as they call it, like a lot of the issues I see with it more so are just the quality of the players that you get and the people who maybe come and then like don't exercise and leave and I think that is something that we've been very cautious of. But the upside is that like you get people who stick around for longer. Like people do want to like exercise and the ones who do like will stick around for a long time because they have double incentives. Like they love the game plus 
they love the idea that they might get something for that that's like outside of just the game itself. So we've actually been doing some exploration on the Web3 side very lightly. Like I'd say the extent to which we've done it is like just give people like a free NFT and see how they behave with it because they're mm-hmm. not paying for it. They're essentially getting it for free and they don't need to opt into it if they don't want to. So that's what we've done. And like, I think it's been really interesting to see what people do with it. And I wouldn't say that it's been a big part of our strategy, but it has been like one part because then we can get those people who are maybe disillusioned by step in or like the idea of a game that got them to move, but uh, maybe that wasn't the game for them or they want to try out more. And that's like a user acquisition strategy that we've been using. So I think the space has a lot of innovation to be done in it and the first really big recent game that happened was Step In. So like, I'm thankful for Step In for making this fitness game genre way more popular, especially in a VC space. Like I'd say before that, like no one was talking about like fitness games being venture backable Mm. or scalable. So interesting. Well, we're definitely going to get to that topic later on in the podcast on studio fundraising. Uh, But Lauren, I kind of want to switch over to you and um, kind of ask a similar framing. You know, how does, how does Trees Please, um, and I think your first game is called Longleaf Valley. Um, how does Longleaf Valley's um, game design and monetization connect to its charity goals or its planting trees goals? Um, and can you elaborate kind of on what the game what the game is and the, and the core loop? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've always wanted to make sure that like planting trees is something that players can do for absolutely without any spend within the game at all. Um, just really important that those four good elements are not, you know, kind of blocked behind paywalls or anything like that. And so that people can have a positive impact on the world and the planet just from playing. Um, naturally, you know, players can make more, more progress, uh, both in the game and in terms of tree planting um, through spending money. But um, we really wanted to bake the the giving back and the tree planting into the actual, the core gameplay and the core progression. I think where we've seen other companies kind of, start to sort of like touch around this has been a bit more around like a you know percentage of profits or perhaps like a fixed amount of trees or a fixed sort of impact that's based on I don't know a time frame or something like that whereas for us we wanted to really explore like giving the player kind of control and making it feel really tangible and satisfying that you know the more that you engage and the more that you're um, yeah having fun playing the game it will um, make a bigger impact and I was really inspired by um products non-gaming products like things like ecosia um where you know every time you're doing different searches internet searches you're planting trees and um a service called amazon smile which is actually no more but it was um basically kind of accruing um money for charity whenever you were spending money with this with the platform so i thought you know it's about really like build it bringing giving back um to people and sort of immersing it into their existing um gameplay basically and that's really satisfying for the player, um, you know, sees more people engaging with the game and, and feeling like they can make more impact um, and also allows us to have a bigger impact in terms of uh, the environmental goals. You know, there's no kind of upper ceiling ultimately, which is really positive. And that's one of the reasons we've been able to to make such a big impact where we've planted with our players around over half a million trees now. It's about 550,000 which um, is pretty cool given that we've we've only just recently come out of soft launch into sort of launching the game worldwide. Um, and we're well on track to plant over a million trees um, in the next few months. So super exciting times. But, you know, with that comes some some risk, like because of the model, it means that, you know, we could start to, you know, balance it in a way where suddenly we're, we're committed to planting, you know, a lot of a lot of trees. And so it does require um, a really a talented team and, and good sort of product and, and understanding um, of the way to kind of build this into the game in a way that is sustainable for for us, but also can really maximize the impact in terms of reaching our um, environmental goals, basically. Interesting. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's like, it's um, something that we've built into the product to, yeah, to, 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 to not really have an impact on monetization. It's more like something that we want to go hand in hand with both the business of the game in terms of like wanting to build an amazing game that can be successful. And then how can we also achieve our environmental goals in a way that isn't going to cannibalize or or hurt the bottom line, but also it's not like 
the big sort of sweet spot that's kind of driving monetization or anything like that. You can't just slap tree planting on any game and expect it to to have some sort of silver bullet in terms of improving it. That really comes down to building a an amazing product and having a, a strong a strong team that can, sure, that can sure. achieve that. Yeah. Wait. So 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 in that regard, tell me a little bit more about about the product in that regard. Um, what am I as a player doing? I download and then what happens? So basically the game is set um, in like a national park that has fallen into disarray. It's kind of polluted. All the animals have, you know, disappeared because it's like it's mm. unsafe. And you play this um, this kind of kick-ass female uh, scientist called Ash. She's really cool. She's got like tats. She's like this really like aspirational. She's the girl that we all want to be. Um, and she's kind of coming in to sort of save the park basically and 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 restore, you know, the plants and um yeah rescue the animals and, and that sort of stuff and it was really important that we created a game that didn't feel like an eco game we don't want it to feel too on the nose and too like an educational experience we want it to feel like i mentioned earlier on with like wally you know something that's just a really fun entertaining film and yeah naturally there are those those environmental themes but you don't feel like it's kind of being shoved down your throat so we have um a lot of focus on on story and humor and and making it feel casual and and cozy and relaxing and fun and all of the reasons why people play you know casual puzzle games but also trying to make sure that we are um being impactful with the awareness piece so um sort of touched on it earlier on but in terms of the way that we want to we want to make a positive impact through the games it's kind of three key things one is awareness um about like world issues like like climate change in particular and um, as I say, sort of through story and theme and narrative. And I think that's really, really critical. It's very hard for us to measure that that's effective, but it's also really, really important because that's when real change happens, when people, you know, hearts and minds are influenced and, and people start to care about this stuff and change, you know, how they spend their 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 money, basically, and how they vote. Like that's when corporations and 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 politicians actually start changing how they behave once they know that enough people care about stuff. And then the second way is through the more sort of tangible real world impact of of tree planting. And that's obviously something very measurable and something that we can influence and change in the here and now. And so those two things together have a really nice um, effect together. And then the third piece is really about um, meaningful for the player. So our vision and sort of ambition is for players to come away from playing our games, feeling like it was really purposeful and meaningful. And I, I sort of mentioned it earlier on about that's like guilt that you get about like, oh, I should probably start doing something else, you know, that's a bit more, you know, useful with my time. And actually if people come away from playing our games going, I just planted a tree, you know, like that's actually like, it is a really useful use of your time in the same way as, yeah, like running and stuff like that as well. Like those are, those are like good, good uses of our time. So I think that's, um, that's the, uh, that's the ambition. Got it. Um, trying to go back to your question, sorry, because I don't think you were asking about that. Were you asking about um, the actual game experience? So yeah, um, uh, that's the sort of story and the theme and that side of things. It's a merge, uh, a casual merge game. So we thought that that had a really nice um, connection with um, with tree planting. It was important for us that that all kind of came together. As I said, sort of just slapping on tree planting on a totally different genre or theming might be quite quite difficult and, and difficult to make that all understandable and clear to the player. So in the game, you can you know merge seeds to create a sapling and saplings to create trees and. And that mm. kind of connects to okay. metagame where, where you're restoring this national park and um, you can collect tree tokens, um, which you then can um, <clears throat> plant real trees. So it all kind of is themed um, around around sort of nature and, and sort of conservation. Got it. Got it. That's sick. That's that's kind of where I was going. I was like, how do I plant? How as a player, how am I planting the trees? Right? Is it a Stardew Valley situation where I'm electively farming and cropping and planting? Is it Farmville? Is it um, a, like a super narrative, like story mode game, such that when I hit these checkpoints, I plant these trees? And so now mm-hmm. I kind of got that it's actually a merge game. And so as you do the saplings, seed, seeds to saplings to trees, the more you the more you play, the more you puzzle, the more trees you would ostensibly plant. Is that kind of right? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. you, you you collect these tree tokens through progressing in the game, um, and then you can also um, buy tree tokens through you know mm. um, hard currency packs and um, special offers and that sort of stuff. But yeah, the the, the main thing is through the core progression. Okay, and so now basically based on the based on the soft launch, you've planted or you're going to plant a 
approximately over half a million trees. Um, and so I think you have a partner with Eden uh, Reforestation. So a couple of questions around this, like one, how did you find this partner? Why Eden? And how do you know they're right for you? And second, how does the cost structure work? Who is paying to plant these trees? So um, the finding the right partner was really, really important because it's not just about numbers and saying there's trees in the ground. Obviously, like we have a genuine, authentic need to make a difference in the world. So we want to make sure that our partner is not necessarily the cheapest partner, but they're doing it really sustainably. So once trees go in the ground, they're being um, supported in growing from, you know, small saplings into actual mature trees that can then actually be, you know, effective at sequestering carbon from the atmosphere. Um, and Eden um, are really, really impressive. They put a lot of effort into protecting the forests that they plant and they make sure it's sustainable because they really um, build community around the, the success of the forest. So in a lot of cases, like local communities actually get um, ha- have in the past been kind of paid to, to, to cut down trees and to be part of the cause of those problems but they're obviously paid to do that in a way that they almost have haven't been able to say no to and so Eden are kind of flipping it on its head and going the other way and going like let's build livelihoods and community and um and and uh yeah business for people around the success of of forests and whether that be just the actual planting but also through uh you know fruit trees and crops and all of those kind of things um and so, yeah, building livelihoods around around trees, making sure that they're supporting the long term protection of those forests. They also only plant um, where where rainforests have previously been deforested, so that it's actually in a, in a location that is um, that is right for those particular species of trees, and where you know the biodiversity depends on it and that sort of stuff. So, they're um, a really impressive um, partner, and they ultimately can scale. So they they plant for. I mentioned Ecosia earlier on, and I know that um, that they've had a lot of success with them, and and they plant they've planted like I think it's coming up to a billion trees. It's like over nine hundred million now, or something like that. So, really amazing, uh, really amazing partner. And and so again, but though who they basically your game plugs in. I play. Mm. I plant five trees. You as a studio is not are not um, floating the bill for the tree planting. I guess I'm wondering who again pays for the planting of the trees. So it is us paying for it. Um, okay. Got it. Yeah. So um, that's why I was saying earlier on, there's a bit of risk involved because some players will come into our game and, and never spend a penny in the game and they will plant trees. And then we, we are committed to spending that on their behalf. Um, but then there are players who also are spending money in the game. And we basically give away um, free trees along with, um, purchases and things like that as well um, so it kind of balances out ultimately yeah this is really fascinating actually because I think with the triple bottom line right you have studio you have players and then um, that's an inflow inflow from players outflow would be to you guys in terms of revenue or to investors right and now you have this yeah. other third party the, the Eden reforestation and so actually similarly to web three in a way it's you have negative LTV players who basically never contribute in inflows, but contribute positively in outflows to donating Mm. trees. And so I think it's an interesting um, business model where you might have to, you really have to rely on the inflows to come in to ensure that the mission of planting trees can be sustainable um, over time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying is we we need to make sure that we balance it really, really carefully. And we have... Mm. Very talented people looking at it to make sure that you know it's going to suddenly kill the business, um, and we can do it sustainably. But we know that for the players that are planting trees, like they're so vocal about it, like they absolutely love. If you look at our, our reviews on the game, like 90 percent of our reviews are about how amazing it is that they've been able to to make a difference through through play. And I'm sure people are talking about it to other you know players. We've seen a really good impact on you know sort of organic growth. Um, Obviously, we monetize non-spenders through through advertising and things like that mm-hmm. as well. So, sure. you know, overall, um, we think it's um, you know something that we that we can sustain and achieve both our you know our business and our environmental goals in parallel. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I think in the same regard as Jenny, right? Um, who is your ideal customer or player? And this is probably not surprising, but I think survey data from like a multitude of sources basically suggests that you know, 60 to 80% of millennials expect companies to be good corporate citizens. Gen Z is also a population, like Jenny said, that has focus and perceives things very similarly. Are you guys targeting customers that might skew towards the younger side? Um, tell me a little bit about like your cohort personas that you guys have been targeting. So, I mean, generally with Casual Puzzle and Merge, it, it is similar to, you know, the Match 3 space where it's a very, very broad uh, player base. Um, but, you know, the the absolute kind of core demographic does tend to be, um, you know, sort of 30 to 50, 60 year old females. But obviously it's 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 not a, a very, very targeted demographic. It is it is such a broad, um, a broad genre. Um, but yeah, like, as you said, um, from a, like a for good perspective, that does tend to be something that particularly with, you know, the millennials and Gen Z, et cetera, like that's something that, um, they are incredibly motivated by. And that's really exciting for us to think about, like, we can, we can really broaden, um, our appeal and our reach and, and, and think about, yeah, uh, about having that wider appeal. So, um, yeah, it's it's an exciting opportunity for us to kind of go go beyond the, the sort of typical merge player. Nice, um, and yeah, and so both of you guys, uh, how are, your games are live in some capacity, either in full soft launch or either in full launch or soft launch, or you know just released in alpha or beta. Can you describe some of the reactions from your current players, um, and what are you learning about the system that you've described, and is it working the way you guys intended? I always love this question um, because it's like you're testing a thesis of you have a game thesis, and then you're going to market and you're testing it. So maybe Jenny will will bounce to you. Um, how, did you guys have a specific target of runs per player or volume, and and how are you seeing people engage with the product that might have been might be surprising? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. I'd say like our initial hypothesis was like people will use this Primax like five times a week because that's about how many times like that's like running every single weekday. And mm. that's probably more than what somebody is recommended to do by their doctor is like, oh, you should like work out like three to five times a week. So that was what we expected when we went into open beta launch. And what we saw was like these crazy players doing like 200 <laughs> workouts a week. And we're like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, how are they running so much? And what we learned mm-hmm. is that actually way more people actually walk with this game than we expected. Like it's way more of a walking game than a running game in terms of our demographic. Oh. And like the average pace people play the game at is around 12, 13 minutes per mile. So it's between like, could be like a light jog. Um, our jog for people, but it's also like a lot of walkers that are pushing that number closer to like 20. So walk legends. That was surprising. Yeah. <laughs> walk legends just doesn't have the same ring it doesn't. to it. <laughs> it's, it's definitely something that we found to be one of our stickier things is the fact that people can just put it on when they're walking their dog or in the middle, they're like, they're just doing their commute. So they turn it on and they just play a, a little walk, uh, a game while they walk. So yeah, the like 200 plus missions a week point is something we never expected. And I think there's a lot of safety things that we we have to start thinking more about as well. It's like, is that acceptable to allow someone to do 200 plus missions a week? Is that too much? Like, at what point do we put in some maybe flags that are similar to Ring Fit? Like, hey, you're just working out too much. Like, we recommend you take a break. But uh, then that's like opposite to our business which is we want people as much as possible (laughs) (laughs) so there are like some key accessibility safety things that we we keep in mind when we're developing a game that involves health because you can go overboard or if your game constantly rewards sprinting all the time somebody's bound to get injured so that's why like part of our game design is also around like uh like you can play at whatever fitness level you're at and it doesn't hurt you to walk versus run so there's no incentive to actually going faster you can just Mm. set the game to like a lower pace and play the same game so for a lot of people who might have always felt like the slower person in their team or in their friend group they can actually feel really strong in the game because it's all calibrated so that's one thing that like Estrava, for example like i love posting but that's because like i've been running my whole life and i can run really fast so like I get a lot of likes, but like for somebody who just started, like they they don't want to post often because they feel judged or they they feel like they're totally. not fast enough. So yeah. yeah, 
there's an article in the New York Times about um, the back of the marathon pack guy. I forget. He's like, yeah. he's like a legend in running world, but it's basically like he's this like leader of this group of people who are trying to be the slowest runners. Um, I forget what it's called, but I, I, it was written up in the New York Times of the day, but it's actually like really awesome and like a, such a welcoming community. He's like, I want running to feel like it's accessible to everybody, no matter how slow you are. And so it's actually really cool that you're noticing that in your game as well. Um, and it's a good thing to kind of like serve oh, my customers prefer to, prefer to walk versus prefer to run, um, which is pretty awesome. So, Yeah, I think it's the slow F runners or something. Yeah, okay. But I also... Slow F runners, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was very inspired by that, by that article. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Laura, how about you? Um, is there anything that you guys are picking up from your soft launch that you guys didn't necessarily um, expect? Can I just say that's definitely me, by the way. I'm definitely part of that slow F group. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm so, I, so I think I said to you in the email, like, I'm allergic to running. Um, but I think, like, your your product would definitely, like, motivate me to get into it just to, like, give me that that focus or that motivation. But I would still be, like, really crap and slow. So, yeah, I'm glad that, that there's other people that um, are, are using it to walk because I'm definitely going to check it out for that purpose. Um what have we seen? I think um, it's just been really amazing to kind of see people um, commenting in the reviews with like the thesis of the company kind of back to us and just feeling like what we set out to do from the very start has has been really successful and, and, and has been really meaningful and purposeful to players. So, you know, that that idea of knowing that ultimately people on the on the most part like do want to make a difference in the world they want to have meaning they want to have purpose they want to make like give back in some way but a lot of the time people just don't know how to go about it where to look like what opportunities there are like I found that myself in the past when I was trying to get more into volunteering it was like Mm. quite a lot of hard work it's like where are these different organizations and you know how do I get involved and and actually kind of thought like there needs to be a way to bring this to people and make it easy and make it friction free. And just so it's, it's part of that, that loop of like, Oh, I can, I can plant a tree if I can just do this next thing in game. And that's going to be motivating um, for the player. And also it's going to be good for us because it could be a way to kind of really create, create loyalty within the game. Sure. Um, And so seeing people basically say like, this is so amazing that I can make a positive impact that I can plant trees whilst also having fun and playing games is just like, you know, a massive validation and, and um, yeah, really great that we've, we've seen that be effective. Um, And one of the other things as well was like part of the, the sort of the thesis and the hope was that the mission would actually allow us to build a really incredible team because like hiring is super hard, like, you know, game, like finding amazing people. It's so competitive um, in the games market and as a startup where you can't always pay the biggest salaries like it's quite hard to compete and especially when you're trying to you know attract fantastic people who who can probably justify um, you know top salaries and bigger companies and things like that but I think like myself there was a lot of people who um, want to find purpose not only the players but people wanting to have purpose in terms of the work that they do and go to work not only because they're ambitious and want to make an incredible product and that's also part of it right we we want to make a a top performing game market leading game and that's you know an ambitious team that wants to achieve that but it's also about wanting to feel that you know how we spend most of our lives is is at work right um so let's do something that we can be really really proud of and um i think it has allowed us to really inspire attract and you know retain great people which is um was was part of the thesis and again has been um a big part of i think how we've we've managed to um yeah have have some success on our first game which always felt like a little bit of a like uh, a pipe dream to actually like make something that could that could that could potentially scale and grow as our, as our first product but so far uh so far things seem to be on track and i think that's a combination of you know a really great vision and product market fit and then just the incredible talent of of the team we have at trees please 
That's awesome. Well, first I want to react and say like, that's probably amazing to have all those comments, right? I think as a, mm-hmm. as a developer, like that nothing makes you feel more valued than your community responding positively. Um, and we know in the gaming world, that is often not the case. Mm-hmm. So um, major congratulations that people are loving, loving the game and loving the thesis. And actually like you're four steps ahead of me. Cause that's exactly like what I was going to start asking about when it came to the studio fundraising side was, you know, I would love for you guys to both share your journeys and the fundraising process, you know, putting the investor hat on, I might say, hey, studios with a corporate social responsibility mission are investable because they attract talent and they're overall like good for the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, depending on the business model, now the revenue and the payout waterfall is getting shared between the developer, a charity and another fund. And not to mention the platforms of iOS and Android as well. Um, and so I remember from the charity skins that we did in Diablo and Overwatch, we're like, we continued to pay those 30% fees on those skins, even though the proceeds were going to charities to the iOS and Android store. Um, and thus, thus perhaps like profitability is a bit like farther into the future. Um, and so Laura, since your business is explicitly tri- triple bottom line, can you walk me through the process of like raising and pitching your studio to, to your investors? Yeah, I think um, it was, I mean, it was a massive learning curve initially in terms of fundraising and just kind of learning that space. But I think that, um, you know, it's not going to be for everyone. Certainly for some investors, I think there may have been some some concerns about the risk and, you know, like you say, the, the additional kind of outflow of money going to charity. But I think that if there's that confidence in the team and they know that there's that that product and that commercial understanding of how to do it, um, carefully and you know with the right process in terms of like rapid validation and testing and iterating and really understanding the business of the game and I guess you know we had a really strong a, a really strong team that comes from um, you know successful free-to-play products like myself from Natural Motion on CSR2 and my co-founders and, and sort of founding team um, coming from King Studio working on you know, Candy Crush franchise and other, you know, really successful match three games. I think there was there was confidence that we could that we could do that in a way that um that would allow us to achieve both and that we would be testing and, and, and doing things um, you know, the right way. But I think ultimately um it was about finding a partner, like a, a you know, an investor, a VC that um you you can you just sort of know when there's that sort of chemistry and when people are excited about what you're doing and there's some conversations you have where you feel like there's a sense of like, there's some interest, but they're kind of just trying to hear what you're up to. And then you sort of have some conversations where there's that, there's that chemistry. And it's a bit like, I always think of it like dating. It's like when you know, you know, like when you meet the one, you kind of just feel that, that click. And um, Mm. when we first met Lakestar, who were our initial kind of pre-seed round, we could just see that they were super excited, not only because they're great people that also care about solving some of these, you know, these big challenges in the world around climate change, but obviously thinking about how we could build a really successful business where that enhanced and supported our success. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we need to be unafraid of, of, of talking about how we can use business to solve some of these these challenges. Definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think that that's right. I think you're looking for a partner that is okay with that, right? For the good of whatever the studio is accomplishing. Um, and Jenny, I would ask, like, are your experiences similar here? Your value proposition is a bit different in that your studio, you know, is still holding all the revenues, but what challenges do you guys face raising money for perhaps a non-traditional game? Um, you know, there are competitors that are not really like involved in the gaming space, like a Strava or a Lane Break that are more built by like fitness empires uh, and perhaps draw a different clientele. So, you know, what was the edge that you guys pitched to investors for, for run legends and um, how has your experience been pitching something that's maybe not traditional? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say definitely resonate with Laura with finding investors that you just meet and it's like, this is the right fit. Since my, some of my favorite investors, I never, or when I first met them, I didn't think they'd actually invest or their introductions from friends, or I met them, I was super candid with them because I didn't think they'd actually invest because it made no sense and they didn't invest in games. So I almost bared my soul to them with all the flaws of our business and all the challenges. And I asked really bad questions, but they somehow liked me a lot. And that conversation became 
what if I was in your, what if I invested in you, <laughs> even though it wasn't something I'd asked for. So I'd say definitely very surprising where with our first round of fundraising, like I talked to like 50, 60, 70 people um, and no one wanted to invest since I had no idea. Just our first startup out of college, never had any full-time industry experience. I made a bunch of games in the past, but it was, the question was, can you replicate that? Like you're too young. Like it's not clear. There's no venture success in fitness games. It's too small of a market, too niche. Who's going to play? So that was really tough. And it became like, do you just like me (laughs) as the founder? So, so my first, my first investor is basis at ventures. They're an SF based like tech fund and, they didn't really do any fitness or gaming. So I pitched it as like fitness meets AI since they do a little bit of AI. And this was back like three years ago. So before all the AI revolution right now, but that first or not three years ago, like one and a half years ago, but it was just a, I just liked the person there and she liked me. So we ended up working together. And even to this day, they're one of my favorite investors. <laughs> and it's just like the support they provide me in terms of being a leader and growing as a leader more so even than the business because you know your business best like investors shouldn't be telling you what to do but what they do help me with is seeing my blind spots and like what am i failing to do like how do i manage a team so that was my like very first check and then like we did a like official pre-seed round and found a little bit more success because we like started to find traction like had some users and when the numbers can speak for themselves, it makes it a lot easier than having to continuously like prove that this works. So, I mean, we're still in the process of like trying to figure it out. I'd say we haven't raised nearly as much money as Laura has, but it gets easier. I think the more we do it and the more people we bring on board, like I start to see what I value and I value that authentic connection since I'm a person who's not the traditional founder. I'm not really good at bluffing or like being really confident in things. In fact, I'm probably more, uh, I come off more insecure and more anxious. So somebody has to understand like that comes from, <laughs> it's like a different type of business person. Like I'm, I'm way more like pessimistic, but I try to like come to business with like a very, or I try to be like very clear with what we're facing as challenges. Like I don't paint a rosy picture if it's not rosy. Yeah. And who's to say what a founder is supposed to look like or be? I think a founder can be in anybody. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So a a final question for you guys uh, before we wrap up. Um, A broader question. Both of you guys have an incredibly strong founder market fit to the product you're building. Jenny on the running side and the fitness um, classes side and Laura, your background mobile games and a lot of the work that you've done with charities in the past. What do you think like AAA or mainstream gaming should be doing better to help the world be a better place? Or do you think that this innovation is like really only possible from the startup side? Um, and maybe Laura, we'll, we'll pass it to you first. Oh, it's a good question. I think that any business, whether it's, you know, more core gaming or beyond gaming, just entertainment or any business in the world, like should be thinking about how can we give back and and make a difference and particularly like obviously my bias is towards climate change but that is obviously like um something that affects us all right if we don't solve that and i think that you know simple things like carbon offsetting you know there's a huge amount of energy consumption and um we know that energy consumption is is again one of the, the leading causes of of climate change and and needing to switch you know to renewable energies etc but you know, i think that businesses should be really um interrogating like the energy usage in terms of both developing their products manufacturing their products but also thinking about the end user um and you know people who are playing um yeah like on consoles and pc etc like obviously that's extremely energy um intensive so i think yeah like how do we sort of solve some of those problems and 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 bake some of those into both the product and the development process. And that's certainly something that we want to be exploring more in the future. Like obviously we're a small team right now. And so we're really focusing on sort of tree planting and and those aspects. But I think as we grow, we really want to bring um, the kind of four good aspects of what we do in, into, into just how we operate as a studio in terms of, you know, the, the building that we're in, the way that we operate, um, yeah, carbon offsetting, um, you know, sort of charity work as a team, all of that sort of stuff. And I think those are all things that 
that any company um, can really be considering. And then things like, you know, nudging and influencing consumer behavior. Like I mentioned earlier, I think that's kind of trickier to do, perhaps if your game isn't like themed around uh, a sort of similar cause. But I don't know. I think, again, like there may be ways of exploring that um, and and thinking about, you know, what make, make sense within the story. Are there, like we're thinking about like basic stuff like, I don't know, sort of climate tips on loading screens or like things that might pop up in within different story beats mm. that sort of talk about yeah. like find out more about this or you know when um you rescue a certain animal perhaps there's like ways to learn more about what's threatening that that sort of animal in the real world and potentially donate towards a cause and i think um you know that that's the sort of thing that could be probably implemented in in, in many different th- um, games beyond you know what we're doing so yeah, I think just with the right the right will, um, you know, intelligent creative people can can sit down and find ways to to solve some of these things within their products. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, have, basically, it has to be genuine to the game, but um, even as a large corporate conglomerate, right? Like, you could definitely be doing some of the basic like carbon offsetting, make sure your buildings are optimized for lighting and air conditioning, other things like that. Exactly. So there's like kind of like the two. There's the game side, but then there's also just like any corporation yeah. in the world could be doing this. Um, yeah. Jenny, how about you from the more like health and in- engagement side, right? Like the Pokemon Go is like, ooh, fitness. And then now everybody's just in their car driving to go catch the tourist, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with Laura. And I think that the the cool things that I've seen corporations do even internally are like people do health challenges and people sometimes make those health challenges like public and make it a fun thing. So those are easy ways to do it like internally as well as like maybe show a little bit externally. Like I see companies organizing like 5Ks or conferences organizing 5Ks that are just themed around like that conference. So I think things like that are definitely more on the health side, but just in terms of doing more good, I feel like doing things like the charity skins or doing more of the, like when there's a certain cause or it was Asian American Pacific Islander month last month, like just doing something that themes around certain events that highlight Mm -hmm. diversity or some causes for good. Like they have the largest platforms, like so many eyeballs, like why not use that to spread some good and they have so much more leverage than us. So even just helping like support small organizations or startups is something that I think helps like Sony Innovation Fund or PlayStation with their um, with their fund and just helping indie developers who have like missions like our companies is also helpful. Since <laughs> if they can't do it themselves, they can help out some some folks who can. So I think that's also one way that I've found it really helpful is like to like we got funding from Niantic and they were super helpful in getting us off the ground. So things like that, like I just think more companies can do. Got it. Yeah. Those are great tips and advice. Yeah. I think I love the, the charity skins. I love the just partnering with the innovation funds to fund innovation at other studios. If they can't do it themselves, all amazing ideas. So guys, I'm so inspired by what you guys have done. Like the the fact that you guys have that people have been 200 runs a week or, over half a million trees is awesome. And I think we all in the games world could do a bit more of this. Um, And so if anybody out there in the audience is interested and excited to talk to you or wants to talk about your journeys, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, Well, anyone can email me at jenny at talofagames.com. But we also have our website, www.talofagames.com. And I can also be reached at xujennyc on Twitter. So... All of those channels, like I'm always open to chatting. I feel like I'm still in this phase where I'm still learning a lot. So the amount that I can give back, like I'm happy to. Yeah, um, email is probably the best way for me as well. So I'm at laura at treespleasegames.com. Um, yeah, like similar with Jenny, like really happy to hear people want to talk about ideas for how they can do similar stuff in their games or products and 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 ideas for our game like would love to hear it because definitely um people who are playing the product obviously always have 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 a different perspective so um we have a big shopping list and backlog of things that we want to do in the future to do more on the the kind of for good side 
Um, and now that we're in a point of moving the game into sort of profitability, we're able to start really doubling down on that a lot more. So we'd love to hear from anybody who's got suggestions on the like the deepening of the, the sort of the charitable layer within the product. So yeah, hit me up. That's awesome. Okay, guys, on that note, we're going to be concluding. Big thank you to Jenny and Laura for coming on. Thank you to our listeners. And I'll be back in two weeks. Until next time, friends, hit me up. Feel free to hit me up at alexandra.novak.co if you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns. Would love to hear your feedback. And with that, see you next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review. And if you want to reach out or provide feedback, shoot us a note at podcast at novic.co or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Plus, if you want to learn more about what Novic has to offer, make sure to check out our website, www.novic.co. There, you can sign up for the number one games industry newsletter, Novic Digest, or contact us to learn about our wide-ranging consulting and advisory services. Again, that is www.novic.co. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.